And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hear that podcast growling, made and angry. Hear that co-host shouting, it's Dander and Jay. All right, the presenting sponsor for today's episode here, that podcast ground, is Visa, a network working for everyone. Welcome in, HTPG, Paul Daner Jr., Jay Morrison of The Athletic. Excited to be with you. What's up, Jay? Hey, it's, like you said, I'm excited to be here. We're uh, it, it's, it's a totally different, and we've had this for a few weeks, but it is, it's a totally different feel uh, talking about a hot team and going to play a team. Now, this wasn't the case against Baltimore, but it was Detroit going to play one of those teams that is in a position where the Bengals have been for so long in the Jets. That's right. And you'll be hearing from Connor Hughes, who's covering the Jets and talking about pre-Halloween mock drafts and <laughs> making my heart flutter. <laughs> we remember those days. Oh, remember those days. It wasn't. It was not. It was less than a year ago. We were, we were in this position last year, uh, as we, I mean, it was a December, I think December 4th on my first, uh, Ross 2021 roster projection. I mean, you know, it's just how quickly it can change. There is, there is no doubt. So, but Connor is, um, Connor is an old pro like we were. Uh, We were, are still, things can change quickly at, uh, at making, finding great stories and mining great stories on bad clubs. Uh, so going to be great to talk to him. And a lot of interesting stuff actually happening with the Jets right now um, to talk about. Outside of that, we, we got a few different things we want to get to. Um, Joe Burrow spoke yesterday, and he had a couple – some interesting things to say about Jamar Chase. I like his, his throat is rested. His yeah. throat is rested. He's rested. So he was able to return to his normal Wednesday media availability. It was good to see Joe back in – person on a Wednesday again. Um, I'll bring you some of that and we'll kind of talk about it. Also, we want to kind of spend a little bit more time talking about the offensive line, which we've talked about a little bit, but Jay, you've got a great story up that's kind of about the line and Quentin Spain in particular. And there's a lot lot to to discuss in there. Um, We want to talk trade deadline, which is coming up on Tuesday. What could, should, will, won't happen. Um, we'll, we'll dive into a few of those possibilities, then talk to Connor. And then of course we'll get into run passer boot, special run passer boot today. Uh, listener, listener submitted run passer boot that I'm very excited about. Uh, so we'll have that. We'll do our Bengals growler bet predictions, all of those things. Bengals at jets one o'clock on Sunday from the Meadowlands. All right. Um, 
news is kind of the same as we said on Monday. No news is good news. Remarkable health for the Bengals. Uh, Chris Evans didn't practice on Wednesday, but we knew that. They said they were going to kind of ease him and manage him through the week. Uh, all signs point to him not playing Sunday as they just try to take it easy with him, let Mixon and P. Ryan handle the Jets, and make sure he gets his hamstring right for the long run. More of Trey Hopkins. Uh, you know, you're just not going to see him practice on a Wednesday this year. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think, because they just continue to just try to ease him through his knee as he's as he's playing through that right now, and and give reps to Trey Hill. So that's kind of where it's at. The others were just limited, full participation. You know, Bro's not even on the practice report. All that stuff, kind of clean. So not not a whole lot of news happening. Yeah, Trey Hendrickson was on there as limited, but that doesn't look like it's anything significant. The the one thing with Trey Hopkins would be interesting is if if the Bengals can do what people expect and and get a big lead and and kind of handle the Jets easily, you know, how soon would we see Trey Hill? It's one thing to get reps in practice, but to get them in games, um I, I, I don't know that there's any sort of imminent depth chart flip there, but I it would make sense to get Trey Hill as many as many reps as possible in game situations. Yeah, they've been able to the last few weeks, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's been quite <laughs> remarkable. Um, we talked a little on Tuesday about the rarity of winning by twenty plus three times in a row. I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen, um, but if you can do it, obviously it's a sign that you have a team that is possible is ready to do some big things for sure. Um, and you would feel that about the Bengals. Um, let's. Let's start then kind of on the offensive line, Jay. Um, you wrote about Quentin Spain. I highly recommend people go on and 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 check it out. Uh, subscribe. If you're not a subscriber, just go and click on the link. That's the story uh, link will be in the notes for the show. Or you can just go and follow us on Twitter, of course, and, and click on it there. But um, we probably we, – we still talk about it. And we, as we should, but everything else that's happening with this team is maybe overshadowed where it's at. And the Quentin Spain, if you if you really look at it, has quietly delivered Bengals the season they thought they needed to go sign Joe Tooney to get. You know, it's like yeah, and that was that was the deal, right? It was like go get Joe Tooney and it'll solidify guard, so one of those two guard spots, and and you'll feel great about it, and it would have cost you seventeen million dollars. So instead, they signed Quentin Spain on a one year vet min, and uh, he's actually ranks above Tooney in everything, and uh, he is the most efficient pass protector um, in the NFL amongst guards. Wild stuff. Yeah, I think it, had they signed Tooney or Zeitler, that they would have played opposite Quentin. Yeah. Quentin, Quentin would still play, but you would. You're right. It's it was a, a still a bit of a question mark. You you had a half a season from him, and it, it was good, not great. Um, and then you're you're on the other side. You're going to have an unproven guard, and then you've got Trey Hopkins coming off the ACL. So there was a huge concern about the the interior of of this offensive line and you know since since week three they had that bad start five stat five sacks in the first two games but since week three they're a top five in pressures allowed top seven in sacks allowed it's it is is really kind of come into its own that offensive line has and I, I thought it was really interesting what Quentin Spain said yesterday about how when he got here he was like he talking to Trey Hopkins like what do you mean you guys don't go out 
to eat and don't go out and hang out together. Like that's such a standard thing for offensive lines. And it was kind of surprising to hear. Now, yes, it was, it's in the era of COVID and these guys had to be, you know, careful about where they went and that type of thing. But it was like he said, they, they got tested every single day. They knew they were fine. You can go to each other's houses and, and have get togethers that way. And it was, you know, a lot was made about Jim Turner not being the right fit, but would it almost seem like if, if you've got a coach that's not the right fit that, that would kind of galvanize the group together more. And it was, it was just really surprising to hear that the team wasn't really that cohesive, you know, off the field last year. And that is completely flipped this year. They, every Thursday they go out, each guy takes a turn picking the restaurant and they have a big meal on Thursday. And it, I mean, you, you see it, that, it, that kind of camaraderie and chemistry and it, it's just paying off on the field. It is. I, and I, first of all, I mean, Joe Burrow should really be picking up that tab every week. Yeah, true. Well, I mean, he's no, every rookie week, deal. Jay. That you want you want to be a you want to be a leader. Joe Burrow's gonna be making fifty million dollars a year soon. Okay, no guarantee I, of that. Pretty good chance. <laughs> Eventually, Joe Burrow's not gonna have to worry about money for the rest of his life. How about that? No. Uh, and I'm saying maybe it's a, maybe it's maybe it's a wild take by me. I'm saying every week because they said they have to call the restaurant. They do it a week ahead, so the chef knows that there's like. You know, ten offensive linemen showing up on Thursday, and they've gone to Ruby's, Ruth, Chris, because we need more pub for Ruby's too. Like, can we get yeah. more? Can we? They talk more about that. Uh, you, you name it, they've gone to a bunch of places. I think Burrow should find out where they're going ahead of time, put in a call, drop the credit card, and say it's on me every week. <laughs> That's what I think. I did think it was interesting that because he's uh, Ruby's was Riley Reef's pick. And that's where they had the whole big recruiting push where they had the wives and the coaches and the free agents that had already signed. And then Burrow and Sam Hubbard are there. And, um, you know, that's what sold him. That's what pushed him over the edge to sign here. And I just thought it was interesting that he's like, yeah, that was a good night. I want to go back to that place. <laughs> the night where it all began, right? Yeah. When we write the book, you know, <laughs> when, when you when, when when you have the book about this team, if it were ever to win a Super Bowl and break the, the drought, uh, your first chapter might be that night. <laughs> I mean, uh, where where everybody got convinced and Riley Reef got signed and Burrow and Hubbard, the new the new leadership core, all kind of came together and it all started. Um, but and you can read about that in the Athletic too, if you'd like to. Uh, back from man, that was way back in March. Back, I think many things change between now and then. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It's important to talk about this in that the Jim Turner thing is the elephant in the room that everybody wants to point to. He obviously was not a fit. It's not about while it's about going out and you guys don't hang out, it's about morale. It's about mm-hmm. it's about enjoying work every day. It's and how much have we heard about that here this year? Guys love coming to work. They love the process. They love practice. They love all these things. They love each other. We're all brothers, right? That's like rare chemistry. All of these things that we've been hearing about explaining why they're five and two and in this position. And last year, look, the, the, the coaches in the room are in charge of that in a lot of ways of understanding morale, understanding it. And everybody knew that move had to come. And when you talked about bringing in Frank Pollock, Oh yeah, I'm sh- it was about the wide zone scheme and it was about like, you know, the way he teaches and this that and the other and his intensity and in practice. That's all fine to talk about. It's also about understanding how to get the most out of everybody and and be in charge of the morale in the room. Be be in charge of hoping that this is the camaraderie that pops off. And so you 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 put a lot of that it's about having the right guys, and and they talked about this. Zach Taylor kind of talked about, you know, you bring in a veteran like Riley Reef, and you have somebody like Quentin Spain, um, guys that have been around, and 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 you can, you'll see them ex- push that along and take that over the top, and and that appears to be what's happened here, and it does get everybody moving in the right direction, and that does that does make a difference. Um, but I, you know, I think when I think about that, I think more about Frank Pollock than anything. Maybe I'm wrong on that. No, I think you're right. And I, I, you know, a lot of people, there was so much made of, you know, Jim Turner's military background and his, his rough kind of crass style. And it's not like Frank Pollock is, is some easygoing players coach. He's every bit as intense as Jim Turner was, but it's almost like he he's able to fill that good cop, bad cop role all within himself. And the, the, the other thing that's so that every offensive lineman has talked about is just the, the, how much he hammers home the details and just repeating things over and over again. And 
every player will tell you that you the the respect from a coach comes when you make them better. If you can make them better, they buy into what you're doing. So if these guys are going through these mundane repetitions over and over again, it might be brutal in the moment, but then you you see yourself getting better against a very good defensive line in training camp and it, it, it the light goes on that hey this this is working this there's something here and it it is the the camaraderie off the field is is one thing but it's it's really what Frank has kind of brought to this group as a whole and even just hammering Jackson Carmen for you know coming in overweight and that type of thing and then you get Quentin Spain kind of taking him aside and explaining to him that what it's about that it's he's not going to be here for long unless he gets this figured out it's just there's 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 a tact to being a taskmaster master and and i think frank pollock has been in this league long enough and he's figured that out he you you can be hard on guys without rubbing them the wrong way jay i think that was my favorite part of talking with quentin spain yesterday was him talking about jackson carmen and how he helped him Mm. Let's bring that in. Here's a here's Quentin Spain uh, talking about being asked about Jackson Carmen and, and how he tried to help him along and what he's seen. I talked to Jackson plenty of time because we had the same age. I talked to him. I told him like, bro, this is not college. It's a business side of things, and at the end of the day, if you ain't getting a job done, you're gonna be a part of him. So I told him like, don't block the outside and focus on you and worry about you. Like, at the end of the day, it's about you. Not nobody else out in fact, like outside of football. It's about you because they see you as a football player. So if you're not doing your job, what they're going to see you if you don't be here. So I just had a one-on-one talk with him and, and just get his mind right. And ever since then, Jackson been coming to work and doing his job. When was that, kid? I, I had that talk with him in camp. Was there something you saw from Jackson that led you to say, "All right, I need to have this one-on-one talk with him in camp"? When he when he came when he came here when he came here overweight, that's what I had to, had to talk to him because I had a, I had that problem too when I was came out of college. I was it was hard for me to make my weight, and I told him like, "Bro, you you you're not the only one. I've been through everything you're going through. At the end of the day, you were drafted. I was undrafted, so you have a chance. I didn't have a chance." I had to earn that, so I was just getting the ends it out of the NFL. That's all. Who, talk, who talked to you? you know I, I ain't had nobody talk to me. I had to get it on my own. <laughs> <laughs> Quentin Spain's kind of a real talker, you know. He like is. he was overweight. I mean, <laughs> my man came in overweight. He wasn't taking it serious. And and the thing is, why I like Quentin Spain, and and I like him. As a story, I mean, he's 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 been a nice player, but that's fine. The embracing of the undrafted thing, the embracing of the one-year prove-it vet men type thing, like he he loves that, and he also admits, yeah, I'm on social media, and you know, because you, if you follow him on social, he anytime anybody you want to you want to get retweeted by Quentin Spain, send him a nice video of of him doing something good in the game. He, he liked. When I tweeted that story out last night, as soon as it posted, he liked it within five minutes. Oh yeah, yeah. Quentin's out there. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's just cool. I like guys that are these underdog stories yeah. that 
that that are fueled by it. I just think it's cool. It's kind of what football really is all about when you have 53 guys and you got to find players from off the beaten path and, and the right fits. He seemed to be such a right fit here. And I don't know that you necessarily thought that was going to be the case when you talk about a guy that kind of was trying to force his way out of Buffalo midseason and just found a landing spot here because of waivers and and all that stuff. It's like it's kind of interesting that he has his personality has sort of fit that of this entire team of the, yeah, no one expects this from us, but we're going to overcome it. And this, that, you know, I, I just, uh, I think that's what's made him a fit is he's kind of a perfect example of the whole team's mentality at this point. Yeah. And it, I mean, embracing that undrafted thing is, it would seem like that would be something that would like drive a guy for his entire career, but it it's not necessarily the case. It's one of the cliches in football is guys always say, doesn't matter how you got here. It's the fact that you're here. And he's Quentin saying, no, I, every day I live with the fact that I was undrafted and I have to prove myself. And, and he, he just embraces that. He's just like you said, a real talker. And that was one of the things he, he went through what Jackson Carmen went through. And he was an undrafted guy that nobody gave a crap about, and nobody took him aside and told him how to do it. That that's that's a big, big difference. And you know, Zach kind of talked about it yesterday too. When they signed it, they needed somebody. They were short on offensive linemen, and the, the line was a wreck. And he didn't know what they they had the tape on Quentin's main, but they didn't know what his football IQ was. And they they have been really, really impressed by how much he gets it and understands the concepts. And you you put that together with the drive and the physical talent, and it's it's just been a great fit. I would like to shout out Zach Taylor yesterday when talking about Quentin Spain for <laughs> saying uh, he came in after showing up on a Friday. He's like, and he's, he's like, oh, no, he didn't start, but he came in five plays at, for that guard that we benched. And like, <laughs> shout out Shaq Calhoun. Yes. Uh, whatever he's doing now, he's not in the league. Uh, but I, I did enjoy him just being referenced as that guard we benched. It's a nice, it was a nice touch. That was yes. <laughs> I think that's, but I think that's how. If you were trying to sum up Shaq Calhoun's NFL career in ten yeah. years, I think you'd just call him that guard that we benched. Right. That's, that's his. Kinda. That's his biography title. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I want to go one more. I want to bring the squeaky wheel back here for one more second. Second, just as since we got to talk to Joe Burrow, we've talked a lot about Jamar Chase. So I don't want. I don't feel like we need to dive back into Jamar Chase again. But I, I have a story up if you want to go read a little bit, a little bit more in depth about you know something that we talked about last week about how he racked up two hundred and one yards was really almost more important for the Bengals' future than the fact that he did against the Ravens with all the underneath stuff. I, I kind of dive in through through a lot of those plays and, and, and how it's changing and what could come next between light boxes, double teams, clouds, all that type of stuff. By the way, light box note, uh, I this that made me go back and check back in on light box stuff. That was a major topic for us after those first two weeks, and they were horrendous. It was killing them. Uh, Joe Mixon now – in the last five weeks, 13th out of 45 qualifiers um, running against a light box for almost six yards per carry, well above the league average. They fixed that. Yeah. <laughs> it was the thing they talked about, point of emphasis. If this is what our whole offense is going to be based around, then we have to punish people. And guess what? 
They've been punishing people for light boxes. So, and how many more of those will we now see with Jamar Chase? That said, there's a reason why, and I thought Joe Burrow was really good, specifically talking about Jamar Chase and his special skill uh, in this way. Here's here's Joe Burrow um, from the tunnel yesterday uh, talking about Jamar Chase. Joe, can you talk about the art of the uh, back shoulder throw and how long, you know, how long does it take to get? I mean, you've been doing this with him for. Yeah. I, but that's going to be a big reason it works with him, because of the number of reps. Yeah, it's all about number of reps, communication. It's all a timing thing. So the way it works, you know, if they don't get their eyes around by a certain yard line, you're not going to be able to make that throw because it's such a timing throw. Um, so it's. You always have to be ready for it, but you don't expect it at the same time. And so. If a DB is playing high, you know you want to get your eyes around by, you know, ten or twelve yards, so you can make that back shoulder ball. Because if he's not looking, it's just going to look like a good ball way out of bounds. Um, and then he has to do a great job of, of adjusting to it and, and not expecting the ball. So it just takes a lot of reps. It's a timing route, and if you, know, you can't just walk in one day with a receiver and start throwing back shoulder fades, it's not the way it works. It takes a lot of reps to to accumulate and feel comfortable with throwing it. How do you know? That he's expecting. Just because we've done it so many times, you don't. You know, it's not a. It's not a thing that you do expect at the same time. Yeah. It's just a, a look that the defense gives you that you have to be ready for. What do you think his biggest gift is? I mean, what, he's got he's got multi talents, obviously. What do you think as a quarterback? What do you think his biggest gift? He has this way of. So when DBs play bail, you know they like to keep eyes on the quarterback. And he has this uncanny ability to get in their blind spot and then, you know, DBs will try to, you know, squeeze off the sideline. You know, that's what they're taught to do. And he he's just too strong to, to get squeezed to the sideline and then before they know it, he's past him. So he's, he just does so many things well that he's, he's hard to cover and hard to defend. It's a little inside football-y, kind mm-hmm. of. I mean, but those are, when you're talking about special skills, I mean, eh, those are things that are just rare. And people talked about Jamar. I don't know what he's not. He's not like AJ. He's not tall. He's not necessarily. There's a lot of things that physically maybe don't necessarily impress you about him. But the fact that he's like a powerful kind of a running back with those kind of ball skills and route running skills, the game gets so physical. When you get in and, and you're, you all know they're supposed to throw flags for that. Well, they don't always, and corners are always trying to get away with a little push, a little, a little hold, a little grab, and he just blows right through that stuff. So that it's you know you basically take away the ability of corners that that win like that a lot, and, and that's why you see Jamar Chase just blowing by people down the field, and then the back shoulders and all that other stuff. Yeah, and it's just amazing that the. The, the one reason that guy he's off to this great start that nobody's done before is because you know guys get better and it's it's like if if he gets better and gets on that same rise that some of these other great wide receivers did from their rookie year to their second to their third I mean it, it's almost you can't it's almost hard to imagine what he can look like in year two year three if he's doing this kind of stuff already right off the jump it's it's hard not to think about year two, year three, and how special he and this entire offense can be. 
I mean, it's almost impossible to replicate this. I, I do think there's a bit of taking the league by surprise element. No, I mean, just the fact, you know, Bert, you're bro. I mean, look, hmm. I hope they, they don't double team him. They haven't yet really hmm. enough. And and I think how much during the rest of his career, or certainly during the prime of his career, the next three, four years, will teams just leave Jamar Chase in a single? You know, I think that's part of this too is that everybody has been a little bit taken aback by how dominant he's been and what he's been able to do. So that's that that's also um you know a little bit part of this. Um so it's good to hear hear from them. Let's let's talk a little bit about the trade deadline before we dive into the Jets here with Connor Hughes. Um trade deadline coming up Tuesday. I mean h- historically we know that this is not an area the Bengals choose to participate in. I mean, it's they don't really believe in it necessarily. We've seen them change their stripes over the last couple of years in free agency. Um, there, so there's there's a, a thought, and, and they've put themselves in a position where they're five and two. So maybe they think there's a spot where they could add depth that could that could help them that they're going to need down the line. My gut says no. My gut always says no at the trade deadline. And because it's just not something they do. And I I don't see them when they feel like they're at the beginning of a win a long window, giving away any kind of asset down the line and draft picks. They're just they like they care about them too much to just give them away. Um for that reason I I would say probably next Tuesday at 4:01, we're saying yeah, nothing happened just like we thought. Yeah, they because of that because they do value draft picks so much, and it more likely would be to to ship a player off and acquire a, a draft pick. And you you kind of wrote about this for the the all 32 that we did. I mean, Darius Phillips is is he in play? I mean, he just he has not been able to get on the field there. They're not happy with where he's at as a as a punt returner. They're working Trent Irwin in there. You could see if if you could get something for him, maybe maybe that would be a direction they go, especially after adding Trey Flowers. But yeah, I, I think it's going to be a quiet a quiet trade deadline, as they most of them are. I mean, it, look what it took last year for them to make a move. You know, Carlos Dunlop basically Dunlop basically like forcing their hand and just going napalm on Twitter and they had no choice but to make a move there and really they didn't get much out of that deal so it it just it doesn't it, football wide it just doesn't it's not like an NBA tread deadline it's not like the even the Major League Baseball deadline used to be there's there's so few moves and for for a team that doesn't like to trade anyhow it's just a really quiet time um, especially I mean even when they try to trade they can't get it done problems with fax machines and aj mccarran and no it's it's had to go there <laughs> that was halloween day if i remember right the trade oh, fell on halloween day <laughs> what, what could have been what could have been <laughs> the, and don't forget Bengals bad at trading yeah always true. part of it you know maybe deals should get done could get done but there's always there's always the extra throw in there's always the extra little bit. They're always coming back for more, and it blows it up. <laughs> uh, and you end up going somewhere else. It's, we've seen it happen many times before. Um, it, it, it's 
I mentioned Darius Phillips, partially thinking you would trade Darius Phillips for another player. You know, maybe a player for player deal. Now that's very rare. Um, so, but I think if you're looking at where would they go, um, I think the edge, you know, filling that Joseph Osai spot is still not totally there. I mean, if something happens to Hubbard or Hendrickson, you're you're pretty thin there. I mean, we Wyatt Ray, we haven't really seen him do much. Cam Samples kind of been. Eh. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know that they really have, and that's something you could acquire from a team. I mean, that's somebody who could be a disposable piece from a team if it was somebody, you know, who maybe has some pass rush skill, but they don't plan on keeping him around. Maybe he's in the last year of a contract or whatever, and they're losing. Maybe they would be willing to deal and and for a corner that they feel like they could develop. The problem with Phillips is he's not a future play. I mean, he's he's mm-hmm. at the end of his contract too. So, but if somebody really needs corner help, maybe maybe you could find a way to flip that and and add a special teamer. The interesting thing I asked Zach Taylor about, I was really curious from a trade deadline perspective from from him because. You know, a lot of teams, you would just say, okay, well, I'll just take all the talent I can get and shove them in there. Well, this team is so cognizant of chemistry, and so it's so important for them to have the right people in here. And so the idea of trading for somebody that you just kind of shove in because they're talented and messing with a chemistry potentially that's great. Now, I you wouldn't be adding a player that would be that high profile. I was curious if there was um, any hesitation to add somebody when you feel like chemistry is going so well. And um, I'll, br- I'll bring you that. Here's here's what Zach Taylor had to say when I when I asked him about just that. <laughs> Is it just as simple as, hey, you've got a good player that can make us better, bring him in here, but for a team chemistry, when you feel like you have something really good cooking, is there any ever concern about adding anybody new to a mix that is just really kind of meshing well? I, I have not had those concerns just in general, whether it's free agents that are on the street or, or whatever, because our, our guys do a good job taking them under the wings and and uh, making them a part of the group, you know, and I, I think I've seen some guys walk in the door and um, – they got a smile on their face after the first day because I think they see an environment where guys are working hard, but they're enjoying the process. Um, you know, Trey Flowers, for you guys didn't get to see it, but his, his first play at team last week, he had an interception, you know, on a deep ball where, where he was covering, you know, Mark Andrews and he ran down the field and picked it off and turned it for a touchdown. And so that's a pretty easy way to establish yourself on the team. Your first play, you get a pick in practice, um, you know, and you, and you immediately feel part of it. So I, I just think our, our locker room's got a good culture and they do a good job welcoming the players. Um, in whatever way, shape, or form we add them. Do you feel like you guys should be open to or interested in something like that, considering the position you've put yourself in and potentially trying to make a move to add for now? I think that uh, Duke Tobin, Steve Radicevich, they do a great job every week, whether it's trade deadline or not, evaluating ways to, to make our team better. Um, and so, again, that's why you work guys out. That's why you bring in free agents, trade deadline or not. We're, we're always looking at ways to maximize what we can do with our team and, and uh, that's, that's really as general as I can make it. <laughs> I thought it was interesting bringing in the Trey Flowers thing. Now, this, this all happened mm-hmm. sort of very in the shadows of last week. Um, he played a lot for a guy that just showed up. And, you know, the fact that he, his first practice is getting interception and all of a sudden, he was more open to the idea of bringing anybody in than I anticipated. I thought it would be more of a like, yeah, we have a great thing going. You do have to real, you have to do your due diligence on that pretty hard. Um, in fairness, but, uh, Steven Radicevic, Duke Tobin have 
done a pretty good job of doing their homework on mm. in free agency and in players that they have brought in uh, over the last year or two. We, I wrote about that today. I mean, maybe there's definitely a trust factor there in understanding what the right guy looks like. And, and I mean, it was interesting what he said, too, where, you know, you that's what building a culture is all about, where, yeah, you're not going to go get a T.O. type that it was like a legendary disruptor. But when you build a culture like this, there's no one person that can come in and upset it, that every guy is going to take him under the wing, under their wing, and they're going to show him what it's about here. And and the guy's just going to fit right in it when when you have that belief in what you've built that opens up that freedom to do that and one other thing with the trade deadline i wanted to get back to is the the edge rusher i mean good chance we see khalid kareem on sunday in new york and and yeah he's maybe not the answer but it is another piece there that um that can add some depth and, and probably be better than wyatt ray and you know maybe even be better than than Cam Sample has been. It's if it is a game that gets out of hand that you could see quite a bit of him and that can kind of answer some questions for them on whether they do need to go find another edge guy at the trade deadline or if they feel pretty good about the depth now that he's back. Yeah, let's not forget right before he got hurt he had maybe one of his most impactful moments against Miami when he had the, he had a, a couple of nice plays in the sack mm-hmm. um, to open up that game. So it's not without merit. And I think there was high hopes that, that his kind of first year had really just been ruined um, by injury. He never was quite right. And he had all this opportunity and he wasn't really ready for it as a fifth round pick. And I think there was a, a lot of optimism about him this year. And it's just injuries have really just, been kind of the thing that's dogged him all along. So if he's feeling healthy enough out there, maybe maybe you all of a sudden see something out of him. You're right. I mean, maybe that's a reason to get him out there and make sure he does get some snaps on Sunday against the Jets just to get a better feel for exactly where he's at and or if they need to look elsewhere as the deadline happened. Again, my gut says nothing happens. Yeah. Um, I, I don't anticipate across the league this being a very – busy one the Deshaun Watson thing is the only thing that really hang I mean there's a few other names out there I mean Kyle Fuller's name is has kind of been thrown out there but there's not a ton um of discussion or where I think a lot of years there's there's a lot of names and then half of them don't happen now I, there's not even hardly any names out there once you get past the Watson chatter so we'll see maybe that something pops off but for for all intents and purposes should probably be pretty quiet All right, let's just take a quick break. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So let's turn our attention to Sunday. And that means, Jay, your interview with our guy covering the Jets for us uh, in the Meadowlands in Floral Park, which is 40 minutes outside of the Meadowlands. Uh, is where their practice facility is. So uh, here's let's, uh, let's, let's go over to Connor. Hey, welcome to the 
All right, now we're going to head out to New York and talk to our Jets insider, Connor Hughes. And Connor, how are you this morning? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Doing great. How are the Jets doing this morning? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I think I can I can answer this one the same way that I've been able to answer this question every single year about 2015, <laughs> at least since I've been on the beat, which is, you know, not great. You know, they're obviously... Uh, they're one in five, they're rebuilding, they're developing and, and kind of the guy that you could always hang your hat on where, whether it was win loss or draw, you could always say like, Oh, well, this guy's worth watching has a strained PCL and is going to be out the next two to four weeks. So it's, uh, the, the jets aren't just down, uh, and beaten up a little bit, but now they're, they're kind of bruised and battered as well. Yeah. I mean, that's a good place to start. They, they obviously went out and signed Joe Flacco, but, um, Robert has already said that Mike White's going to get the start. Um, what have, what have you seen, you know, from watching Mike in training camp? Was was he in a battle at all for that backup spot? And and how did he look in, in that debut? I mean, he's got to be on the short list of guys that have thrown a touchdown on his first career pass. But overall, how did he look? Yeah, he. Uh, it, it's. I want to say he was. Um, so it, it's it's an interest. It's an interesting topic because the whole thing with Mike White was that. If you would have told me back in August that he was going to be this team's backup quarterback uh, after a month of the regular season, I would have told you that you're you're crazy. You know, I would have said that there's no way that Jets going to go out there. They're going to sign a veteran. They're going to bring in a veteran. They're going to get one of these guys, and and that's who their backup quarterback is going to be. And and that's why throughout OTAs and mini camp and and the first couple of weeks of training camp, the Jets' decision to not bring in a veteran quarterback was one of the main talking points. And it was kind of one of those things like, well, they'll eventually do it. Well, they'll eventually do it. And there was at one point where the three quarterbacks on the Jets roster were Zach Wilson, a rookie, Mike White, who had never thrown an NFL pass, and, and James Morgan, a fourth-round pick from a year ago, who had also never thrown an NFL pass. So, you know, I would say that it was surprising, definitely, that, that he ended up winning that backup quarterback job. I mean, he was definitely the best backup quarterback in camp, but it was surprising in that they never brought in that veteran. And, you know, say what you will about him for that first, uh, I would say for the first um, uh, game. I mean, I think he looked competent. I think he looked okay. I mean, he didn't go out there like other quarterbacks I've seen play for the Jets and, and just make a complete disaster of the situation. But, I think this is one of those things where Mike White's the starter right now, but he, he's the starter on a short leash. How short? Do uh, you think Flacco could play on Sunday? No, no. Well, I mean, I guess we'll, we'll technically see. Salah kind of ruled that one out, or okay. he didn't exactly rule that one out because they do have uh, – it sounds like it's going to be Mike White. Flacco's not getting here until Friday uh, yeah. because he's got some personal issues. So he's in virtual meetings, but it's kind of tough to imagine. You trade for a guy, he doesn't show up till Friday, and then he's your backup <laughs> quarterback on Sunday. Uh, so I think it'll probably be Mike White and Josh Johnson as the backup, and then we'll see uh, for the Jets Thursday night game next week against the Indianapolis Colts what they're going to end up doing. Um, but no, I think more when I say short leash, I mean more moving forward. Uh, yeah. That you know the Jets are st they're saying all the right things about Mike White. We've got faith in Mike White. We believe in Mike White, and they do. They have faith in Mike White, and they believe in Mike White until Mike White gives them a reason to not have faith and not believe in him. And and if he struggles immensely against the Bengals, then I think you could see Joe Flacco. Uh, be named the starter for that Bengal game. And if worst case scenario, if he's not, um, then obviously it could be the case in week three, uh, the, the third week against the Bills when Zach Wilson might be back or I also might not be back. I guess the, the other big question with the Jets is who in the heck is going to play linebacker on Sunday? 
Yeah, so it looks like C.J. Mosley is going to be back. I mean, that's what the Jets are hoping for. I mean, you saw how much he meant for the defense when, mm-hmm. you know, this group hasn't been necessarily good or great this year, but they've certainly been uh, okay, I think. I think they've, they've exceeded some expectations. And then C.J. Mosley obviously didn't play against the Patriots, and they allowed 54 points and were just a complete disaster. So uh, it doesn't look like Quincy Williams is going to play. The Jets do have Noah Dawkins, so they can bring up off the practice squad. He could be an option. Uh, but there is an outside – C.J. Mosley should play and return as the starter, and then there's an outside chance that Jared Davis, who the Jets signed in free agency, is one of their uh, their big-ticket free agents. He's been on the injured reserve. He just got activated. He's supposed to return to practice this week. I think he, there's a chance that he could play next to Mosley as well. Noah Dawkins, it, that guy was here for a minute. I think in 2019 he was here in camp. and um, it, I mean, It's not just linebacker. The, there's been injuries. I mean, it's been brutal. People here – know what happened to Carl Lawson and and then Curry went down well either right before Lawson or right after uh, um, it's kind of been the anti-Bengals the Bengals have been really lucky and not had a lot of injuries um, do, I mean every team has them but how much has this hamstrung this this Jets team in Salah's first year uh, I mean look Carl Lawson was, looked like he was basically unblockable uh, throughout yeah. the summer before he got hurt in those joint practices so I think that one hurt but Injuries aren't why the Jets are struggling the way that they were. They knew this was going to be a rebuilding year. They knew this was going to be a developing year. I mean, they went right to the line of admitting that they were punting on this season uh, without actually saying that they were punting on this season. So, you know, the, the Jets do have a talent issue, but even if they were fully healthy, I mean, LaMarcus Joyner is probably one that hurts him as well. But mm-hmm. even if the Jets were fully healthy, they're probably a four, five, six win football team. And now with some of the injuries that they're dealing with, they're probably more of a three, four, five win football team with five B in the ceiling there for them. So uh, it, it, they haven't helped, but I don't think this is one of those things where, you know, the Jets were a playoff contending team or they were going to win seven, eight, nine games. And then they got hurt. And now they're not going to. I mean, they were always going to be uh, they, they were always going to take their lumps this year. Well, what's one thing the team or if there is one, but is there one thing this team does well that maybe Bengals fans should be concerned about on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, they, they can rush the passer. Even even without Carl Lawson, they've got a pretty decent pass rush there with Quinn and Williams, you know, the former number three overall pick, John Franklin yeah. Myers, uh, who they just signed. They got some good things out of Ward, a player that they've claimed off the waiver wire from the Chiefs. I mean, they, they've got some talent there up front. And, and if you sleep on them and if you hold the ball, they're going to get home. I mean, the Tennessee Titans kind of figured that one out. Now, obviously, the Titans didn't have the ability to, to attack the Jets secondary because that was a game that Julio Jones was out and A.J. Brown missed as well. So, uh, the Jets were able to take advantage of some some receivers that just weren't able to create separation. Uh, but I would say that that if you if you hold the ball against the Jets, if, if you kind of sit back there and you hitch, they will get home. And that's why we've kind of seen since that seven sack, fourteen quarterback hit outing against the Titans that the Jets had against the Falcons and again against the uh, the Patriots. You've seen those two teams. Uh, make it a point of emphasis to, to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands pretty quick because the Jets have shown on film that if you hold the ball, they'll get home. Yeah, something interesting to watch because the, the one lineman that struggled the most this year has been Bengals center Trey Hopkins, but the guards have been decent enough. So it, that watching that interior pass rush will maybe be the key, the key matchup. Um, I'm curious, you know, maybe this isn't the case with what you said about how the expectations this season and the fact that it's a first year coach, everybody's kind of playing for their jobs. But, you know, when you see a team start slow like this, sometimes there's that tendency to check out a little bit of, have you seen that at all? Is the team still playing hard, just not playing well? It's that. Yeah. And I think the reasoning for that is that this is such a young team. 
I mean, yeah. the Jets are, are a, a ridiculously young football team with first, second, third-year players. Uh, so usually when you see some of those guys check out, it's the vets. You know, it's the guys who have been there, done that, who are, you know, suddenly trying to think about preserving their body for the next year, that kind of a thing. These, these guys, I mean, they're so young, they don't necessarily know they're not supposed to win football games. You know, they don't necessarily know that they're supposed to get beat up pretty bad. So we've seen some games, whether it was the Panthers game, uh, even that first game against the Patriots, which the score was not indicative of how the rest of the Jets played because Wilson threw the four interceptions, which which kind of made it look like a blowout. But they were actually in that. They've played some tight football games. They've played some close football games. And it's because these young guys just go out there and, and play 100 miles per hour every snap. I mean, that's what they're going to get. You're going to get high effort. And, and some of the issues that the Jets are having is they're just not talented enough right now of a football team to, to really compete with the teams that are talented, which is – you know, I, I don't I mean, I think the Bengals could sleepwalk into MetLife Stadium and still come through with a victory just because of the talent discrepancy. But if they sleep on them, the Jets can at least keep it close uh, just because, like I said, you're going to get a team that they know. I mean, look, the Bengals are a light years better football team, but these Jets players, they don't necessarily approach it that way just because they're so young. Yeah, I was reading one of your recent pieces on observations, and you had a note in there on NFL draft standings where the Jets would pick fourth if the draft was today. Uh, and eighth, yeah, they actually have the Seahawks pick as well, so they'd pick fourth and eighth. So they, yeah. have, they have a chance to infuse this roster with some talent. Well, we've been there in the past looking at the NFL draft as early as week seven, so I, I know it's a, a difficult challenge. I, I appreciate you taking the time to, to join us today, and I do look forward to seeing you on Sunday in the press box. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, you said it. It's, it's kind of been a, a, a pre-Halloween playoff elimination has been uh, the, the story I've been used to writing. You know, I've, I've just been I was talking to you know my editor and basically just saying like, hey, I want to hold off the mock draft for as long as possible because I know I'm going to be writing them pretty much every day starting in November. So uh, I got through October before running a mock draft, no free agency previews, but I, I don't think I can fight that uh, fight that off any longer. Yeah, well, we can, we commiserate with you because we've been there. I hear you, man. I hear you. Yeah. All right. Hey, thanks a lot, Connor. Yeah, no problem at all. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. All right. Looking forward to uh, Connor Hughes' mock draft coming out in a couple of weeks. I mean, but if you, you know what? When you got two picks in the top 10, and the whole top 10 could be basically dominated by two teams, the Eagles might have three picks in the top 10. Jets might have two. I mean, you talk about teams that are trying to hit the quick reset with uh, a bunch of picks. It's a, could be um, very interesting for them. They will be heavy. They will be in heavy rotation on every radio show in mock draft season. Oh, that'd be terrible. I'm just thinking about that now. If you covered the Eagles, every mock draft show is calling you and you're like coming in and do three picks instead of just one. <laughs> oh, we need to hire like three more people to cover the Eagles just for that. It's, just it's, brutal. It's, it's good that the Bengals aren't good at trading and don't like to do it because – I don't think we ever have to worry about being in that position. No, no. Well, never say never, but, but never. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Tomlin. <laughs> right. <laughs> How great was that? that was uh, awesome. All right. Jay, you've got a little bit of Jay's got stats for us before we dive into this. Don't you? Because the Bengals, we've been doing only stats on teams that are like big underdogs forever. Now here are the Bengals. 10 and a half point road favorites. The lines moved all the way up to ten and a half. <laughs> it's amazing. It's insane. And it's so last week before they even played Baltimore, they had some early early week eight lines, and it was Bengals minus four at Jets. And then you combine 
the destruction at Baltimore with Zach Wilson going down. And that line is sky. It went to nine, then it was nine and a half. Now it's 10 and a half. It's skyrocketed. Um, only one other time in franchise history. Now, they only started tracking point spreads back to 78. So I shouldn't say in franchise history, but in most of franchise history, have they been favored by this many points on the road? And that was in 1982. That was the the strike shortened year. Um, they were favored by 14 and a half at the Colts. And they won that game 20 to 17. They did not come close to covering. Uh, there was one game where they were the, the previous, the, the following year at Houston, they were 10 point favorites. But those, those are the only two times that they've been double digit favorites on the road. Wow. And, and as far as the Jets, you would think, yeah, they've had some really bad years. Um, they've only been double, they've only been 10 and a half point underdogs at home twice, which is amazing. Not only because they've been bad, because they're in the same division with the Patriots. And that is the last time it happened for them, they were a 13 point home underdog against the Patriots in 2018. Before that, you have to go all the way back to the, the legendary Steelers dynasty, 1978. The Steelers were 12 and a half point favorites, um, at the Jets. What's, what's really, I looked overall last year, there was, there was, uh, eight times where a, a road team was favored by 10 and a half more points and, the the Bengals are involved in the most recent, and they're also involved in another one. The most recent was Ravens at Bengals, week seventeen. Ravens Ooh. favored by thirteen and a half, easily covered thirty eight to three. The, of those eight games last year, where the the road team was favored by ten and a half and more, that the road team won seven. They went seven and one. The one was the Bengals upsetting the Steelers on Monday Night Football. The Steelers were 14.5-point favorites against the Bengals, <laughs> and the Bengals pulled the upset there. So it is, it's not out of the question. I mean, overall, there's been 157 games where a, a road team's been favored by 10.5 or more. They've won 130 and lost 27. So 83%. It does happen when the home team pulls off the upset. Not often, but it is it is in play. But it, it it's hard to see something like that happening this Sunday. As soon as you mention that Steelers game, you just you just flash the Ryan Finley meme back up into your head, don't you? <laughs> that's right. right. I mean, that's pretty much it. Smiling Ryan Finley uh, <laughs> on the bottom of the pile. I, it, again, backup quarterback, and, and that's usually a part of these. You get that. It, it's here's the thing though; those typically will happen because turnovers. I mean, that's, that's it. it turn, when you know that you're, as Connor was talking about, you're out talented, um, you're, you're, you got a backup quarterback in, it, it's going to be about turnovers. Here's the thing with the Jets. <laughs> the Jets don't have a single interception this year. <laughs> Not one. You know what else they don't have one of? A first quarter point. <laughs> the, Jets, the Jets have been outscored. 44 to nothing in the first quarter. That's just incredible stuff. And they've been outscored 64 to 20 in the second quarter. Teams are just hopping on them and just hammering them. Which brings me to the first run passer boot that we will do today, Jay, if you're ready for this. First of two. This is our own. I was inspired by those two stats. So here's today's run passer boot. 
What will be more on Sunday? Jets interceptions. And we'll say, how about we say an interception counts as seven? Is that fair? Okay. Okay. I was going to run with interceptions even if it counted as one. (laughs) (laughs) We'll say a Jets interception counts as seven. Jets first quarter points. And Brandon Allen snaps. Will we see Brandon Allen for a third straight week? Now, Bengals fans, this is in a backup role. Joe Burrow in a baseball hat. This is not some sort of nasty premonition, I promise you. This is just about him coming in as a reserve as he has the last two weeks because the game gets out of hand. What will be more? Yeah, I'm I'm definitely... I'm running with Jets interceptions, and I would have even counted as one. I just a ball can go off someone's hands. Burrow could get hit as he's throwing. Um, we've seen him make some bad decisions the last few weeks. I just, I, I think that's the one that's most in play. Um, anything can happen, so I'll pass on the first quarter points, even though. It's not just the Jets have been bad. The Bengals have been really good. The last time the Bengals gave up first quarter points was Jacksonville. They gave up a touchdown to Jacksonville in the first quarter, and they gave up um, a touchdown to the Bears in week two in the first quarter. Those are the only first quarter points they've given up all year. So they've they've been really good in that regard. I'm going to boot Brandon Allen snaps just because I don't think the Bengals cover this game. I, I, I think they win, but I think it's going to be way closer than a lot of people think, and I, I don't think – we see Brandon Allen snaps. I think we see Joe Burrow kneel downs, but we don't see Brandon Allen clock killing. Were you and Zach Taylor hanging out together, watching a bunch of Mike White uh, tape at Western Kentucky? <laughs> is, that, is that why you're a, are you a Mike White believer? This is situational. This isn't personnel. It's just a team that hasn't been in this situation very much. Um, they've got a division game on the other side. It's just a classic trap. Um, third straight road game, the fatigue of that, that travel adding up, it just, and the, the history should not just the Bengals, but history shows that these, these double digit road favorites don't, they win all the time. They, they don't cover, they cover less than half the time. Okay. Uh, I'm actually going to follow you on that. It was a very convincing argument, uh, and, but I was I was kind of there already. Um, I'll I'll say Jets I'll say Jets interceptions for the run, and I'll I'll pass on first quarter points, and I'll I'll boot Brandon Allen snaps too. I I, I there's a chance I think we'd see Brandon Allen at the very end yeah. of the game by my prediction, but it still wouldn't quite be there. So so we'll we'll see about that. Um, I thought one thing that that Connor said that was really interesting that could have a big effect on this game is there is a little bit of the Jets. One of the Jets' few strengths does hit one of the Bengals' few weaknesses with Quinn and Williams and some of those interior pass rushers right on the Bengals' weakness with Jackson Carmen and, and Trey Hopkins who have struggled. And if, if, if you see that pass rush just kind of ruin the day um, up the middle, and that's, you know, where they've had trouble um, – then that could make a major difference in the Bengals not racking up a bunch of points. And a lot of the reason that they have been able to score a lot of points is their line has been able to hold up. And some of the lines they've been going against haven't been all that dynamic. The Ravens 
have a dynamic line, but for the fact, usually it's very scheme driven, you know, that what Wink Martindale does and the exotic blitzes and knowing where it's coming from. They're not quite where they usually are in terms of actual personnel who can get after you. They have some, obviously, but it's not where we've seen it in the past. And they placed they played the Steelers without TJ Watt and 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 missing other interior guys too. I mean, there's just been you know, I think this jet it'll be interesting to see this Jets pass rush on the inside and, and, and how they do handle that. And I, I could see that having an effect. Yeah. And another reason why an interception is in play because those guys get a hand up. Even if they don't get a pressure, you get a hand up, um, get get a little bit of a push, bat the ball in the air, bad things happen. And I, you know, I think it, there is going to be a lot of, you know, there's going to be a lot of attention on the Bengals trying to jump on them early, similar to mm-hmm. the Detroit type thing, or will will maybe where it's like once you get up on a team that's down like that, you can just you can just kind of step on their throats and put them away, and they have a here we go again type attitude uh so we'll we'll see how that all plays out but i I, i'm with you i do think there's a a little bit more to to pay attention to um and this league just changes so much week to week like stuff like this just happens the moment you crown a team something crazy happens Mm -hmm. so Bengals have kind of spent all week being crowned how will they deal with a week of being crowned i don't know we're all about to find out together i guess um all right, I've got it. We have another run passer boot that I am very, very, very excited about. I want to shout out Ari and Isaac Wise, who are listeners actually up in the New York area uh, and have been listening to this on early morning drives uh, for uh, Isaac's basketball. And so they have come up with a run passer boot for us. And if you if you're a listener out there, and you think you can come up with some good run passer boots for us every week, we always will take them. You can send them to me along. Uh, if you have a growler bed, obviously you know where to send those to, but same place, pdaner at theathletic.com. I'm all, we're always up for listener-submitted run passer boots. So Ari and Isaac have come up with this one for us, and I like it a lot. Okay. What will be more on Sunday? Margin of victory. First half Bengals points. We know the Bengals obviously like to wait until the last two minutes of the first half to try to score. (laughs) And these are two teams with some of the least amount of time spent in the red zone as far as pure snaps all year. So combined red zone snaps. So margin of victory, first half Bengals points, combined red zone snaps. What do you think? Um, the Bengals are averaging 9.3 points in the first half, mm-hmm. and the point spread is 10.5, but I'm going to go against that. I'm going to run with first half points. I just I think that the, the chances there for them to get a couple touchdowns in the first half, 14 points, um, I already said I don't think they're going to cover. Uh, the, the pass will be the red zone snaps. Um you just never know there. They 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 hit so many deep balls that take some of that away. But they could they could easily kind of get into clock killing mode um, in the first at the end of the first half if they get down there where they they start running the ball more. 
Um, I just I think that's kind of a wild card. So I'll run with the first half points. I'll pass on red zone snaps, and I'm going to boot margin of victory. All right, I'm the opposite. So I hmm. I am going to actually run with margin of victory. I I I, I actually think they're going to cover this. I am going to pass on red zone. I, I think that will end up somewhere in the probably like eight to ten range. Yeah. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna boot first half points. I, I think I think it'll be a little bit of a slow starter. I think that the Jets defense will give them a little bit of trouble, and then they'll they'll get it going. I mean, we just see I've just seen that pattern too much over and over again. It's like this. It's that same oh, kind of little bit sluggish early, and then all of a sudden, boom, it picks up, and they take off in the second half. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do what you do, Jay. Bet the trend, right? I mean. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the trend here. So I'm saying margin of victory, pass on red zone snaps, and I'm going to boot first half points on this one. Thanks again to Ari and Isaac for listening and uh, for this submission. Love it. If you want to submit, again, pdaner at theathletic.com. Okay, Bengals growler bet time. Speaking of submitting, pdaner at theathletic.com or you can send it to us on Twitter, hashtag Bengals growler bet. Maybe you can be so close or win or be so close (laughs) uh so this week here's what we're gonna do we are gonna do passing yards differential between joe burrow and mike white Passing yards differential. So we need you to do the math for us. You're giving us one number. I'm not going to make you get them both right. I'm going to allow you to get lucky. But I need passing yards differential between Joe Burrow and Mike White. I mean, there's a potential Mike White throws for 42 yards. <laughs> like, we, you see these games happen. If the Bengals come out and they play well defensively, the, it's really hard to, to state how putrid the Jets offense has been really all year I mean they have been awful they rank in the bottom of almost every stat you can imagine and now they don't have their quarterback so you tell me what that's going to look like against a Bengals defense that has lived in the top five and been just ferocious so we shall see on that but passing yards differential will be our number uh Jay I will let you Kick it off. Palindrome. You love one, it. one, one. <laughs> Burrow by 111. Burrow by 111. Okay. Uh, you just love them so much. <laughs> I need to come up with some sort of uh, some sort of thing that I'm doing every week. I, I feel I feel a little uh, uh, upstaged here by you with this. I need <laughs> I need a thing. I have to come up with that. Uh, a Burrow by 148 for me. Think, yeah, I'm thinking we're going to get some real poor Mike White play. That's my thought. Um, always a possibility. Always a possibility. Okay, prediction time. Jay, I think you've kind of spilled the beans a little bit on where you're going with this. I don't know the exact score that you're doing, but uh, I know about what you're going to say. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be closer than people think. Um, I'm going Bengals 27, Jets 20. You're getting the. Do you think the Jets are going to score twenty points? You you just never know. Do you? 
What what if it's what if it's twenty seven to three going in the fourth or twenty seven three midway through the third and it I just could see something like that happening where the Bengals take the foot off the pedal and the Jets start start chucking it all over and get some garbage time points. I I do. I, I think this is gonna be way closer than people think. Okay. Uh twenty four ten Bengals is my prediction. Um because the Bengals score twenty four a lot. <laughs> Uh, and the Jets score not a lot of points a lot. So that's what I'm going to go with. Um, I, I do think the Jets' defense will play well. I think they'll slow down the Bengals a little bit, but I just don't think they'll have be able to muster anything offensively, really. You know, I think you'll see a lot of similarities to the way that Pittsburgh game looked uh, back in week three, which is why I kind of went with the same final score. Same. So. Uh, all right, that's that's my thoughts on it. Um, again, appreciate everybody uh, listening. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back uh, with the walkout on Sunday after the game. Jay, you will be in New York. I will be back home. Uh, I'm not going on this trip because, you know what, Jay? There's just only so many times in your life that you have a two- and a four-year-old on Halloween. Yeah. And I we I made this call a long time ago before I even knew the Bengals would be good or the Jets would be bad and and all that stuff. I you know it's it's weird. I haven't I can count on one hand the amount of games I've missed since I've been covering this team full time for maybe the last eight years. Hardly at all. I like I think three, and usually it's for very serious reasons. Whether it was uh, you know when we we I missed the Pittsburgh game a few years ago when when my wife had our had uh rose who in, in september and i missed i missed a game in minnesota when marvin lewis quit before the game allegedly <laughs> uh due to a funeral i i mean there's like been very that's really been about almost it there was a game at the browns i missed because i got pulled off to do another assignment on the crosstown shootout that particular year i mean there's just it's very been very very rare um but it's also very it, it's funny how things change a little bit and i hope people understand this like uh you just kind of cherish these kind of moments when you you know you don't know how long they're going to last and uh and so with it's being right on halloween if there was any other way if halloween would have been on saturday or monday i would have found a way but um Look, I'm going to have a bunny and a pig on my hands, and uh, it's going to be about the coolest thing ever. And so I, I, I will still be writing, and we'll still do the podcast, uh, but uh, I wanted to make sure I was back here for that. In a normal year, Jay, you know, I, I probably – it would be a much more challenging decision because you do gain a lot from being there when the locker room's mm-hmm. open, when everything is connected. But when you're in a year where, look, the game ends, we go down into these press conferences – and there's no one-on-one. There's no ability to to really work the room, so to speak. You can't really get extra stuff. It's extremely hard. You get some, which you'll be there to do all that stuff. But it's really, you know, it's less of a punishment, so to speak, to not go than it used to be uh, in this year in particular. So all those things combined, don't you know, is why I'm gonna be I'm gonna be dressed as a farmer. <laughs> with a bunny and a pig on uh, Sunday night, and, and not in New York, but I'll we'll be back in the mix after that. So, look, my my kids are twenty five and twenty one, so I I fully support this decision. You look back, and even when I started on this beat, it was two thousand twelve, so they were sixteen and twelve. It's just 
there, you, you do miss some things in this job. And it's when you have a chance to do something like this, I, I wholeheartedly say do it. Um, most important thing that I, you, that rundown of games you miss now has me thinking this is going to be a very scary Halloween because <laughs> the last two games you missed was Spygate 2 in yeah. the press box and Marvin Lewis quitting. So what in the hell is going to happen on Sunday when you're not there? You're right. It's, it's, it does seem like something absurd happens every time when you least expect it. Those were both supposed to be very non-memorable games. Very non-memorable games. And they ended you, up being quite serious moments. You also missed uh, the very first practice of training camp of Zach Taylor's career when AJ Green went down. With <laughs> That's the, true. What so, could happen? We said. Oh, what could yeah. happen? It's just a walkthrough for forty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Now I'm really scared. Yes. Who knows? So I'm. Yeah, I'm sorry to even put that into, into people's heads. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, it's great, great to hear from everybody. And uh, again, if you have submissions on anything you suggest for our show, please send it to me, um, or just keep sending me your growlers and see if you can get so close. So thanks everybody for listening. We'll talk to you next time on Hear That Podcast Growl. And have a good one, everybody. Mm-hmm.